Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. We live in crazy times, and many have lost their faith. In such times, it's essential you and I are honest with ourselves concerning the status of our own faith. Do you believe that God will provide what His people need in these days? We're not asking if God will provide what we want, but instead, will God provide what we need? This is what Abraham faced in Genesis chapter 22. God asked Abraham to give up what he loved as much as anything on earth and to trust Him. This is a life-changing lesson for all of us. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Learning to Fully Trust the God Who Provides. Here's something I have learned. I've learned how to be confused. Some of you are like, not very helpful, Pastor Jim. We know how to be confused. We didn't come here to learn something like that or to be reminded of that. Here's something I have learned. When I am confused, when you are confused, any follower of Jesus is confused, keep walking by faith until there is clarity. Keep walking by faith until the darkness comes to light. The darkness always turns into the light. And if it doesn't see, if it's a long night and there's no clarity, keep walking by faith. Verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning. I'm thinking he slept. <laughs> And saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So get the picture, they're walking, okay? They're going for three days and they are walking. Nobody knows what's going on except for Abraham. They get to the foot of the mountain and he says to the servants, I want you to wait here. Why? Because this is father and son business. That's why, loved ones, so much of the cross is a mystery to us. You know why? Because it's father and son business. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father and son business. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on uh, Isaac, his son. So that means he's not a little boy, right? Some people say he's a teenager. Some Jewish tradition has him in his 30, about 30, about Jesus' age. Also tells us that he could easily stop his father. I mean, his father's very old now. I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to be critical if you're 115 or 120 or 130. I don't mean to call you old, but you are. (laughs) So he's a very old man. And so, the, so he puts the wood on Isaac and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. Typical dad, right? <laughs> you schlep the stuff, kid. I'll carry the easy stuff. 
Not that I've ever done that to my boys. Okay. And the two of them went together. Why? Because it's father and son business. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, here are the fi- look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So once again, we read, the two of them went together. It's almost like they're partners in what God is about to do. Interesting, Abe gets up and gets going. Same thing he did when he had to circumcise the boy. Same thing he had to do when it was time for Ishmael to leave. Same thing he does now. Now he's, he's no longer delaying. See how the maturing process is going on in Abraham? This guy has come a long way from, uh, she's not my wife, she's my sister. He's come a long way. But notice this, he doesn't say a word to God. Remember when God told him he was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? He had a lot to say, didn't he? Abraham had a lot to say, but now, not here, not at all. Now, here's the thing that we have to remember. We're not asked to make an assumption that we might be making right now. We might make the assumption that there's no emotion in Abraham. We're not asked to make that assumption. We are asked to see something. We're asked to see his quiet obedience. And I think we're also asked to see the cost of faith. A faith that costs us nothing is no faith at all. So they walk for three brutal days. Put yourself in Abraham's mind. Put yourself in his head. Three brutal days. Is this another test? Was his obedience impulsive? Do you ever impulsively obey God? Say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Maybe God's giving you time to think about it. You sure you're, are you, you say you're all in. I'm going to give you three days to think about if you're all in. Maybe he's wondering, is Abraham going to get cold feet? I know none of you have never do this, done this. You come to church on Sundays and you watch online. I know other, the other people. But did you ever promise God you would do something and quit or not do it? Who said yes? Multiples of you said yes. They say, we're not all like you, Pastor Jim. We all didn't walk up to our wife and say, I'm going to go into the ministry. Yeah, that was 16 years of saying no. <laughs> 14, whatever it was. 13. That was a long time of saying no. Why is it important that Abraham is willing because when God gave his son for us on the cross, he gave us everything. And so when God asks us to give our life to him, what does he expect from us? He wants us to give him everything. Total trust. And do you know what develops total trust in us? Tests. They do. The tests teach us to walk by faith, not by our emotions. 
Now, that doesn't mean I don't support an emotional faith. I actually do. I, I would love to see us be, as a congregation, more emotional in our worship. But a life run strictly by emotion, not by faith and trust, is going to be all over the place. You see, and if again, if you're new to this Christian thing or you're watching online or you're whatever it is, you're just like, I, I, don't, I don't get, this is extreme. You see, for a lot of people, God is plan B. You know anybody like that? God's plan B. He's like, they're like, well, I'm gonna live my life and you know, at the end it'll all work out. That's plan B. For some people, God is plan A. Well, for the most part, I'm following God and I'm cool with it. And, and I think he's cool with me. You know, it's all right, but that's fine. God does not want to be plan A or plan B. God wants to be the only plan. And these kinds of tests show us what plan he is in our lives. And those three days, man, wow. You see, the good news is when we're ready to give everything to God, that's when we're really ready to receive for him. And that's how we are ready to walk and venture into the unknown future with confidence. Remember what David said Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's a tested man. Again, for those three days, presumably only Abraham knew that, that Isaac was going to die. So for him, his son was as good as dead. How does he do it? How does he do it? I think the answers are, are found in verse five. We will come back to you. They tell the young men, we will we'll be back. <laughs> Imagine he, some people think he's lying. Other people, he's not trying to get Isaac off the hunt. Uh, but no, I think, he's, I think he really believes it. And then in verse eight, he says, why? Why does he think he'll be back? Because he's, verse eight, he says, God will provide. God will provide. So let me ask you, church, in this crazy season that we're in right now, crazy, crazy, people watching online, afraid to, afraid to go out of the house, maybe afraid to go to church, not so sure what's up with, with our, you know, this and that. Do you believe we will come back? Do you believe God will provide? This might be a test. This might be a test. See, this is what's important. Abraham doesn't know how God is going to keep his promises, but he is confident God can keep his promises, and not only God can he keep them, God will keep them. When we come to the New Testament, 2,000 years later, as we read this, Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise... The promises offered up his only begotten son or his one and only son or his unique son. 
Verse 18, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called your offspring. That's how the the Israelites will come into being. Verse 19, look at this, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So in those three days, he was in, in Abraham's eyes as good as dead, but Isaac ends up living. So they're beginning to walk. Isaac notices something. I like that. He's observant. Uh, Dad, I know you're getting old, maybe a little forgetful. Just one, just one little thing. Remember, we have lots of flocks back home. Like, we're rich. We're rich, Dad, you know? And, um, but we forgot to bring a lamb. We forgot to bring a lamb. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, <laughs> Abraham could have blurted it out. You ever blurt out some stuff and you're like, oh, I wish I could get that back. I mean, he could have blurted out. Son, tough question. Tough question, lamb. The lamb, hmm, I think it's you. Uh, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't do that, though. Instead, he throws the ball back into God's court. He says, God's going to provide the lamb. God's going to provide the lamb. In our way of thinking, it might be something more like, um, God's going to see to it. You know, son, God, he knows I've learned this about God's son. He knows. I don't know. He always has a plan. I I don't always know what that plan is, but I always know it's a good plan. Again, that's going to help us venture into the unknown. That's going to help us face our future, no matter what it is, by knowing the goodness of God. And he's right here now. He's right at it right now. I mean, this, this talk about back up against the wall. I'm confident. And God and his promises. Remember what Abraham said to God back in Genesis 18.25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He actually believes it. He actually believes it. And now we come to verse 9. We begin to sort of move in slow motion. Um, After saying God will provide the lamb, it could also mean that God will choose the lamb. Verse 9 says, Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him up, uh, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, it's easy to think that Abraham's being obedient here, and he is. What does it tell you about Isaac? He is willing. It tells you that he trusts his father who has undoubtedly taught him for years how we are to trust our heavenly father. And parents, that's all we can do is teach our kids how to trust our heavenly father and then continue even later in life to to model that for them. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay. Some of you have say slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. 
For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. You know, this seems odd in in contemporary Christian culture, but sacrifice is part of the Christian life. And if you are a parent, this you know. It would be harder to put your kid on that slab than it would be to get on it yourself and tell him to off you. You know that. I can't even imagine what's going on in their heads right now. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. So he's in a, he's in a sticker bush. He's in, the thorns have him captured by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of, some of you have heard him say, in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide As it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Why? Because Isaac lived that day, the Israelites came into being. Very much like the Passover, they were saved by the blood of sacrifice. And where they are right now is near where Solomon built this temple and near near where Jesus was crucified on the cross. So let's go. We're walking up the mountain with them. Verse 9, really, if we were going very slowly, has us on the edge of our seat. Will Abraham do it? Will he give up that which he loves the most? Will he give up the future of, of the people of God? And so he grabs the knife, I don't know if he was doing this one quickly. Maybe sweating, maybe saying, God, come on, come on. Now's a good time to show up. And the Lord spoke. He said, stop. Now I know that you fear God. I think, I think fear, we, we, not necessarily that he's afraid, like terrified, although we should be afraid of God. I think it's tied to his obedience and, and again, I know this is so far into contemporary Christian culture. But when you study the scriptures, you realize not reading some best-selling Christian book that tells you everything's going to be fine and all God's going to do everything you want him to do. That's baloney. But obedience really tells you how much you love God. And I know that might be hard for some people to hear, but it's so very necessary. If you have the idea of, well, God's going to forgive all my sins, so it doesn't matter how I live, is that really loving? Let's say you're married and you know that your spouse is committed to be married no matter what. Do you show love to them by doing whatever you want? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you know, just going to go disappear for a few weeks at a, on end, you know. Wine, women, and song, babe. You don't care. You love me. Thanks for staying loyal. You know, here, hold my wedding ring while I'm gone. No, our obedience really shows us how much we love God. It doesn't mean we don't have flaws. 
but it means that we're really dedicated to trying to do better with God's help. So the Lord miraculously provides a substitute, one that would die instead of or in the place of Isaac. Now, we know this points us to what later on Moses will give us as the Old Testament sacrifices. So the people would put their hand on the animal and in effect, their sins would be transferred from themselves to the animal and the animal would die in their place and their sins would be forgiven. All of which was pointing us to what? The cross of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't, it's not like in the Old Testament, well, they just got an animal, said, oh, here you go, touched him and gone, oh, I'm good, let me go sin however I want. No, there's an element of faith there. Just like there must be an element of faith for us in Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We must trust that he died in our place for our sins. There's an interesting verse in John chapter 8 that drove the religious leaders up the wall. John 8, 56, Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and, was, and, it, and, it, and he was glad. The religious leader said to him, dude, you're not even 50. He lived over 2,000 years ago. But I think what Jesus may have been talking about in this verse is that Abraham saw right here how God forgives sins how he will forgive sins. This is what we call substitutionary atonement. A substitute atoned or paid for my sins and your sins. So the sins of the offerer were transferred to the animal. The sins of the person of faith, are, when we put our trust in Jesus, our sins are transferred to Jesus on the cross. And then these guys, the religious leaders are going nuts. What do you mean you and Abraham, Abraham saw you, he saw this? What, you're not even 50. And then what does Jesus say? Oh, oh, let me clarify for you. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the name of God. That is the name of God. Oh, by the way, the reason that happened is because I'm God. That's the, what got him killed. That's what got him killed. Verse 15, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn. So now God's making a divine oath, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand which is on the seashore, and look, just remember this for the future, uh, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So God renews the promise he made to Abraham this time with a divine oath. Why? He says to Abraham, listen, I want you to know how serious this thing is. Because you trusted me, I'm going to do something I normally don't do. I'm going to give you a divine oath. You see, a lot of people think God is just obligated God is obligated to do what he says 
no more, no less. But here, Abraham grabs the promise by faith. He grabs it. And when you put your trust in Jesus, if you never have, you can today. That's what we do. We grab the promise of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven with God to be adopted as God's children. We grab it by faith. And where does it happen? On the mountain of the Lord. The place where we meet and worship God. The place where Solomon will build his temple. The place near where Jesus is crucified. You know, I think, I think these pictures of the mountain, and we just kind of think of mountaintops and valleys and stuff like that, I think it actually explains a lot about church to me or about what church is supposed to be. As we gather together, we hear not, not the words of a man. We gather to hear from the Lord. We get to know him better as he shows us ourselves. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.